Our righteous Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for giving us another opportunity to fellowship with you, another time to come to know you more. We pray, Father, that as we study your word, that your Holy Spirit shall be granted to us abundantly because spiritual things are spiritually discerned and we know that we will misunderstand your word without your spirit. So please be gracious to us, O Lord, and grant us of your spirit, grant us understanding. Speak through me and put your words in my mouth and bless all your children who will be listening. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him, January 31. The greatness of humility. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Christ came to this world for no other purpose than to manifest the glory of God, that man might be uplifted by its restoring power. All power and grace were given to him. His heart was a wellspring of living water, a never-failing fountain ever ready to flow forth in a rich, clear stream to those around him. His whole life was spent in pure disinterested benevolence. His purposes were full of love and sympathy. He rejoiced that he could do more for his followers than they could ask or think. His constant prayer for them was that they might be sanctified through the truth. And he prayed with assurance, knowing that an almighty decree had been given before the world was made. He knew that the gospel of the kingdom would be preached in all the world, that truth, armed with the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit, would conquer in the contest with evil, and that the blood-stained banner would one day wave triumphantly over his followers. Yet Christ came in great humility. When he was here, he pleased not himself, but humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. To his followers he says, Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew chapter 11 verse 29 from the root of true humility springs the most precious greatness of mind, greatness which leads men to conform to the image of Christ. Those who possess this greatness gain patience and trust in God. Their faith is invincible. Their true consecration and devotion keep self hidden. The words that fall from their lips are molded into expressions of Christ-like tenderness and love. Having a sense of their own weakness, they appreciate the help which the Lord gives them, and they crave His grace, 
that they may do that which is right and true. By their manner, their attitude and their spirit, they carry with them the credentials of learners in the school of Christ. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Greatness of Humility. In the previous devotion, we saw that Jesus passed through an almost infinite humiliation in bringing himself down to take human nature being born of a woman. But he did grow through infinite humiliation in submitting himself to be used and abused by the men whom he created. Our God, the creator of heaven and earth, not only took human nature, but he humbled himself to even cruel, shameful treatment from his followers. But while all this was taking place in his heart, in his life, in his words, he was full of benevolence. He was self-sacrificing. And all that he did was not selfish, but rather selfless, having humanity in mind, seeking to bless. And like we read in our devotion, there, that I may know him, page 37, paragraph 2, we are told that he came for no other purpose than to manifest the glory of God, not his own glory, but the glory of his Father. And then secondly, that man might be lifted by its restoring power. So let us look at that. Two purposes and none has to do directly with him. His mind, in his mind, his motive was, I want to glorify God and I also want to uplift man. Nothing about self. But in doing these two things, to glorify God and to uplift man, he had to humble himself. So what did it, what did it take to glorify God? What did it take to uplift man? He, we are told in the reading, his heart was a wellspring of water, a never-failing fountain, ever ready to flow forth in a rich, clear stream to those around him. His whole life was spent in pure, disinterested benevolence. What is that? To have disinterested benevolence, in other words, you are giving, hoping for nothing in return. And this was his teaching. He said to us, give, expecting nothing in return. And that is Luke chapter 6 verse 35. He said, Love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for his kind unto the thankful and to the evil. And this was disinterested benevolence. But the context, of course, in him expecting nothing in return is he is not expecting anything for himself. Of course, he is expecting that the person who he's giving to will be blessed. That is the only thing he's expecting because whoever asked and whoever he's giving needed what he's giving to them and he's expecting to relieve the person of their trouble at that time. But to expect nothing in return is in the context of the word return. That is the context. But he's expecting something. And what he's expecting is the blessing of the person whom he's giving to. But nothing in return. That is to himself. That is why it is disinterested. Interested benevolence is when you are getting something from what you are giving, but our Lord gave, expecting nothing in return. 
it continues to say his purposes were full of love and sympathy. He rejoiced that he could do more for his followers than they could ask or think. His constant prayer for them was that they might be sanctified through the truth and he prayed with assurance knowing that an almighty decree had been given before the world was made. And what prayer is this being referred to? All true, that was his constant prayer, but with the evidence of all these, all the things that we have seen here, his eagerness to bless, how he spent his whole life, his source of joy, the subject matter of his prayers, the motive and purpose in all that he did, his faith, we can find evidence for all of this in that famous high priestly prayer of Jesus, which he said on behalf of all his disciples. In this prayer, Jesus had more than the 11 disciples in mind because Judas was not there at the time. He prayed for you and for me. The prayer being referred to is that which we find in John chapter 17. In that prayer, looking into the future at all those who will someday believe in him, he prayed to the Father, having all of them in mind. He said, looking at John 17 verse 1, Now these words speak Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Now look at his words here. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. What is this? This is Jesus trying to glorify the father, but he's saying glorify thy son so that I can glorify you. He says, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And then he went on in verse 4 to say, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. What is Jesus requesting of the Father? He is requesting to be glorified. But why is he requesting for this? He says, so that the Father can be glorified. We see in these words of Jesus, disinterested benevolence. He does not want glory merely for himself, but he wants the glory only as he is convinced that this, that his glory will bring glory to the Father. His first words of his prayer are, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. And by the way, by the way, when you are hearing Jesus say, glorify your son, what do you think he is calling glory? What is the thing that Jesus was calling glory? He was about to be shamefully treated crucified on the cross that is what jesus was referring to as glorify thy son and then eventually the father was supposed to resurrect him of course but that experience that he was about to pass through is what jesus called glory his humiliation and indeed that is why the title of our devotion is the greatness or you can call it the glory of humility because it's only in humility that one can be glorified by the Lord. Jesus submitted himself to be shamefully treated and it's in that that he was glorified and that he glorified his father also. If we go on in the book of John 17, you hear Jesus praying for, for his disciples. In John 17 verse 9, he says, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given to me, for they are mine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Here, we see Jesus praying for all those that will believe in him. Remember the words that we read in the devotion in page 37, paragraph 2, that says Christ came to this world 
for no other purpose than to manifest the glory of God that man might be uplifted by its restoring power. All power and grace were given to him. In this prayer, we see here that all through the acts of Jesus' life, he indeed was having all of us in mind to do good to man. But also we see his prayer for sanctification in John 17 verse 17. He said, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. He rejoiced like we read that he could do more for his followers than they could ask or think. And his constant prayer for them was that they might be sanctified through the truth. So, he also prayed for us to be where he is. In John 17, reading from verse 4, 24 to 26, he prayed, Lord, let them be where I am, which is where? In heaven, of course. That's what he was referring to. You see that Christ's constant prayer for man and his desire, his purpose, was that man should be uplifted and that his father should be glorified. You can just examine that prayer, John chapter 17, and you will see the glorification of the Father and the uplifting of man in that prayer. But now, let us talk about how this was to be done. How was Jesus able to glorify God and to uplift man? Philippians chapter 2, reading from verse 1, will explain to us how that was possible. It says, this passage gives us what Jesus did and then it tells us to draw lessons from it and that's what we want to talk about, the greatness of humility. Philippians 2 reading from verse 1 to 9 says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. What is the mind being referred to? I mean, the description that Paul just gave from verse 1 to 4 is beautiful. A mindset that we are to have that we should be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind. We should never, as Christian brothers and sisters, do anything with a mindset to compete with one another, to supersede one another, to have something in me. I want something that I want to be superior to my brother, having this or that whether spiritual or temporal blessings and all I'm thinking is how I can be like the devil which is I want to be above everybody no don't desire the highest place if there is such a higher place think of your brother that's what he's saying let nothing be done through what strife and vain glory what is vain glory that is the satisfaction the glory the honor and the feeling of superiority that we have that we derive from knowing that I have this or that better than my brother look at the Guinness book of record everything there is vainglorious all kinds of things the person who jumped the highest the person who ran the fastest hundred meters the person who has cooked the longest time non-stop all those kind of things are vainglorious let nothing be done through strife of vainglory with the desire to 
think that oh I, I have this i can do this more than this person i can do that more than that person i speak better than him i actually have more this than that other person let nothing be done through strife and even if you don't have to strive to do it to strive to know that in my mind i want to study the bible because i want to be better than this person i want to know more than this so i'll hold the knowledge and i won't teach this person because i don't want him to know more than me i'll keep it to myself i'll only say it at a time when i know that it will be known to everyone that i am the one who said this and i am the one who taught it i want everybody to bring their attention to me and realize that i am this and i am that let nothing be done with such a mindset that's what he's saying it says then in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves better than themselves if you esteem me better than you and i esteem you better than me think of a parent and a child a loving parents some parents are not loving they want to be quit all they have to their child they want their child to supersede them they want their child to do more than them they want their child to be greater than themselves this is the mindset think of others as better than yourselves going on he says look not every man in his own things but every man also on the things of others and then we are told let this mind be in you but who is the model where do we get this kind of character from to learn it it is from jesus christ verse 5 let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus really jesus did he do anything through strife or vainglory no was he esteeming us as better than himself look at that prayer in john 17 yes he esteemed you and me better than himself did he have love towards us oh yes he laid down his life for us did he look at his own things but on the things of others yes he did he was not looking at his own life whether he has eaten whether he has drunk whether he has gotten a house even when he was here on earth all things are yours like we read he delighted that he could do more for us than we could even ask or think he would think of you and me before himself if there's a morsel of meat to eat here jesus would say eat it first before me because he is constantly thinking of your own welfare my own welfare than his own welfare he would rather die so that we may live continue the reading philippians 2 reading from verse 6 at verse 5 now let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who being in the form of god taught it not robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore god also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name amen this is the greatness of humility it is only those who humble themselves like jesus that will be lifted up we are told humble yourself before god and you shall be lifted up jesus humbled himself and he is lifted up no one can humble himself the way jesus did in our subsequent devotions we are going to talk more deeply about this infinite humiliation of jesus but i'll just touch on it a bit in this passage now we have seen the infinite humiliation of jesus in that he did not just take human form but he humbled himself to be crucified on the cross by man he humbled himself to pass through a shameful usage and abuse from us from humanity 
every day he lived for us walking through the streets uh, of nazareth and then other places he went to he humbled himself to all of this fleeing from place to place because people were trying to kill him he didn't show any pride in displaying power to deliver himself he humbled himself as a man we are told in our devotion today page 37 paragraph 4 that i may know him from the root of true humility springs the most precious greatness of mind greatness which leads men to conform to the image of christ those who possess this greatness gain patience and trust in god their faith is invincible their consecration and devotion keep self hidden the words that fall from their lips are molded into expressions of christ-like tenderness and love let me pause here for a while this is what we are to do to be great we must be humble but this humility if we study and look at christ we will not have that desire in us the devil will want to bring it for self-exaltation that's the desire i'm referring to there's a constant desire from the devil to bring yourself into exaltation so that you do things even spiritual things you do them so that you can be praised so that you can be exalted so that you can get some fame and so that you can be noticed self wants to express itself and be noticed and praised and exalted but we are told that those who are learning the humility of christ the true humility their faith is invincible and their true consecration and devotion keeps self hidden it is a thing of the motive it's not necessarily about the actions but about the reason why you do what you do jesus did many great things he performed miracles but you will see that there was no self-exaltation in him still people could still look down on him after doing all that it is because of the way he conducted himself that even after doing such mighty works walking on water commanding the storm to keep still raising the dead opening the eyes of the blind causing the lame to walk cleansing the leper healing the woman with the issue of blood all these mighty miracles jesus did but yet there was no self-exaltation in him he was constantly humble many of us have not even done any miracle just because you can recite some bible passage from your head or you just give some word from the that the holy spirit gave to you you contributed something you said something you wrote a book you did this or did that and we are already proud we do these things having in mind the glory we are going to receive from men jesus said we should be careful be careful not to do things so that you can be glorified or be noticed by men because if you do so you have received your reward but true humility is in the inner man it's not necessarily about the actions go and check matthew chapter 6 they were very good actions that jesus was referring to prayer fasting the study of the word many other things that he mentioned but all these things he was referring to that if you do them with a motive to be praised of men you are not humble therefore you will receive your reward but not from god you receive the word you receive is just from men but not from god but then true humility will do benevolent acts it will also like jesus christ study the word of god live for others but not for the sake of self-exaltation it will be in constant humility and then true humility will cost something it cost jesus something to be humble he had to give up the glory 
of being God. He did not leave the position, he's always God, but he had to give up that his outward glory and take human form. He had to constantly live for others, giving, being benevolent, disinterestedly. These were the, these were the things he did in order to bless. And it is only as we have the motive that Christ had in doing the things that he did that we can truly be humble. And like we were saying, Jesus humbled himself and in the humility he obeyed. That's what we read. That he found, he obeyed in Philippians 2 verse 8 and 9. says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. Amen. So we see that humility leads to obedience and God calls us to the same humility. James 4 verse 6 to 10 tells us, but in verse 10 especially, but let me go to verse verse 6 there. It says, He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisted the proud, but giveth grace unto the humbled. You need power, you need grace, we must humble ourselves. Then we are told, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And we are told, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. This is how Christ was also lifted up. What is the humbling yourself? We read there in Philippians 2 verse 8. Obedience. That is what it means to humble yourself. To humble yourself means to be obedient. Philippians 2 verse 8 tells us he humbled himself and became obedient. And that is how God lifted him up. And for us, when we are told, humble yourselves, God is saying, obey. When we are obedient to the law of God and submit ourselves to every trial and suffering that he permits to come our way, we effectually humble ourselves before God. We are never greater than when we keep the commandments of God and submit to all his directions. Matthew 5 verse 19 says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Our devotion is titled The Greatness of Humility. How do you become great? By humbling yourself. How does God call you great? When you teach and do the commandments of God when you are obedient to God and to be obedient to God is to be obedient to his word. Obedience to God is what led Jesus to die on the cross. It is his keeping and the teaching of the commandments that made the Pharisees and the Jews to hate him. The consequence of obedience to Jesus was that he had to run away when they wanted to kill him. And eventually they took him, they played a crown of thorns and put on his head. They, they, they whipped him on his back 40 stripes. They nailed him to the cross. Before that he had to carry that cross himself. They stripped him of his garments and he was bare with no clothes. And he carried that cross with the help of the man Simon of Cyrene and he was nailed on his hands and his feet raised up between the heavens and the earth for all men to see his shame and then he was told you save you save others why don't you save yourself call on your God to come and deliver you he was mocked he was ridiculed he was shamed this was the humility Jesus passed through but all those experiences of his 
cruel treatment was because of his obedience. When we obey God, we are humbling ourselves before him. We run away from obedience because we look at the consequences of of obedience. Obedience humbles us. If we humble ourselves to keep the commandments of God, do not tell lies, do not cheat, do not commit adultery. We lose a lot of things in our minds that we think we want. We cannot flaunt like the world. We cannot be proud like the world. We cannot get some of the things that we think we want. The praise, the glory that we want, the fame, the popularity, we don't get it. We have to break the commandments of God in order to exalt self. And sometimes we also suffer out of obedience like Jesus suffered. And when we look at these things, I'm going to lose the self-exaltation, fame and popularity I wanted. Not only that, if I humble myself towards God, I will also be shamefully treated. I'll pass through trials. I'll pass through some suffering. There's no doubt about that. You will. Don't deceive yourself. You, you will. It is enough that the, the disciple be as his master. The disciples of God will also have to pass through suffering. There's no one. The Bible tells us, 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So stop this whole Pentecostal doctrine of people saying, oh, I will never suffer. It's not my portion. You are deceiving yourself, except you don't want to be glorified with Jesus. Humble yourself. Pass through the same places our Lord passed through. Obey his commandments and you realize that you will pass through the same trials that as he passed through. And then when you are obedient to the, to, to the word of God, you will find out that it is there that your greatness comes. For Jesus says that if you will be great, you must do that is obey and teach the word of God, the commandments of God, even in the choices of our lives like our career other temporal matters we should learn to seek counsel from god and move only at his direction we are to run not before him whatever betide in joy or in sorrow we are to follow the lord and look into jesus still trust in his word god tells us in proverbs 3 verse 5 to 7 trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on thine own understanding in all thy ways not some of thy ways how do i dress today in all your ways acknowledge him what do I eat in all your ways? Acknowledge him. What person do I make as my friend? All your ways. Acknowledge him. What career should I choose in all your ways? Acknowledge him. I want to travel out of the country. I want to remain in my country. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. And what is the result? He shall direct thy path. The Lord will not leave you in without an answer. But will you be patient? That's something I've realized. When we pray to God, Lord, direct me. I want to obey you. Sometimes we are too much in a hurry. Wait on the Lord for him to answer you. And we are told, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Amen. So if we want to experience the greatness of humility, we must understand that we must obey the word of God like Jesus did. And it was as he obeyed that he was exalted and made great. So also with us, when we humble ourselves before God in obedience, we also will be made great. But let us go into the granular part of it. The beautiful part of what Jesus did, the mindset we are to have, which is that we are to not have the mindset of strife. Instead, the mindset of disinterested benevolence. We are to be thinking like our Lord Jesus. We wish that we can do more for people. We are not trying to exalt ourselves. We only want to exalt others. We want to 
glorify God and make men come up higher. And the exaltation we are referring to is not words of praise to men, but to bring men to a higher state. And the higher state man can be in is in the image of God. So I want to teach others to be like him. I want to glorify the Father. I want to uplift man like Jesus. I have that disinterested benevolence. That's the mindset we should have. Not a mindset of competition with our fellow men. But looking at others and not on my own things alone. This is the mindset we are to have. Take note that Jesus said to his Father, Glorify me so that I can glorify you and also uplift man. And in his glorification, that's in the glorification of Jesus, he suffered. So also with us. Yes, the Lord may glorify us. How did God glorify Jesus? Jesus performed many miracles. He taught people, looked at him and felt, Wow, never man spoke like this man speaks. And the people looked at him and were saying, Is this not the Christ? They honored him because of the things God was doing through him. But no time was Jesus on an ego trip because of the works that Jesus, that the Father was doing through him. The Lord may glorify himself through you, but it is not for you to be hung up on the glory that he is bringing. Moses performed many miracles, but you don't see him glorifying himself or feeling like he's, he's better than others. He prayed, I wish that all men could prophesy. That is the mindset we are to have. It's not something we have to look at as, I want it to be my thing alone, just for me. We, we should wish that all men can have the things we have. Do you have knowledge? Wish that all men can have it like yourself. Let there be that inner desire in you. Now you want everybody to be blessed just like the Lord has blessed you. Pray to the Lord, bless me that I may bless others like Jesus did. Glorify me that I may glorify men. Some people deceive themselves and say, no, I want to make money so that I can do the work of God. But then they get the money and they do nothing for the work of God. Don't deceive yourself like that. If you really and sincerely want to glorify God, you may not even need money. Jesus was not rich with material things, but yet he did a lot for the work of God. The apostles were poor and they did a lot for God. They glorified God. God may choose to glorify himself through you, whether through, through your financial ability or through your skills, any one of it. But in your heart, in our heart of hearts, let there be disinterested benevolence. Let there be a strong pure desire to glorify God and to uplift man and it is through this that we can experience the greatness of humility and submit to God in obedience to his word and you will experience the greatness of humility let us pray thank you dear father for these words of admonishment and the teachings you've given to us today please Lord through your spirit make this clearer to us help us Lord to understand the mindset of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we may have that mind in us too. Help us, Father, to humble ourselves in obedience to you. And whatever consequence may come from obedience, Lord, help us to bear it like our Lord also bore it. Thank you for hearing our prayers and answering in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org that is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org